de, de, de Colores Radio. De Colores Radio. Hello, bienvenidos. Thank you all so much for being here. Welcome to De Colores Radio. This is episode 40. I feel like I need a 40 ounce. Or E40. Or E40. We're hey, grown. Yeah. We're 40 years old. Y'all can come on in. We're, ju we're just uh, we're doing a live podcast. This is a live podcast. Yeah, so there's going to be a lot of... You're welcome to walk through... I promise you're fine. You aren't disturbing anything. My voice is a little yes. bit nasty because I traveled the world and saw Beyonce and also allergies. But we're here and we're doing it live at Aniversario 10th Anniversary Multimedia Historical Exhibit. Damal's exhibit here at the Latino Cultural Center. Check. That's how you stunt. <laughs> I'm sorry, I lost my voice. I've been traveling the world. I went to see Jay-Z and I was Jay just kidding. Does it keep cutting out when we do both? No, it's just, I got to hold on to it while I talk. Ding. Um, how is everyone doing? As always, thank you so much for listening. I'm your host, Eva Arreguin, and with me is my co-host, Rafael Tamayo. Hi. How are you? I'm, I'm sober. And Always. How are you? We're actually straight edge. <laughs> how are you? Hi, how are y'all? Doing Good well, thank you. I feel like we're doing a telethon. Like, make your donations today. <laughs> Please call in. All right, so this is a really exciting moment for us, Rafa. We're here at Dallas's own Latino Cultural Center, live from the 10-year anniversary of the Dallas Mexican-American Historical League exhibit. Isn't that amazing? Yes, that is amazing. Before we get deeper into it, though. Come on, she's doing that on purpose. I need some help. Okay. I need some words of advice. Okay. I want to give our listeners an insight into our personal energy into how we are feeling right now, into the reality of our existence. I'm, la I'm, I'm laughing because you want us to tell each other how we're feeling, but I feel like you're struggling through. <laughs> I, I feel nothing because I have no voice. That's right. We're translating our feelings in the best way we know how. Memes. Yippee. It's time for me mood. Rafa, what do you have? So, I don't know... I feel like, okay, there we go. So I don't know if you've seen it, but it's, uh, it's a Mexican YouTube video, or it's probably on Twitter, twitter.com. Oh, my God. Eh, Persígueme. But it's this guy, and he found a mosquito, and it's dead, but he has a thumbtack. And he's bulking the mosquito, and he's like, no que no? ¿Cómo se siente? ¿Cómo se siente? And he's poking this mosquito, like, straight drilling it. And I was like, yes, I wish I could do ding. that to every mosquito. Yes, that is a huge ding. Um, that's my me mood. I, I'm always sad because I feel like I don't know your me moods, but they're really good. Um, my me mood is just a classic from a movie one of us starred in, and it wasn't me. <laughs> Do you have any idea? No. Lame. <laughs> if it ain't a uh, vine that had 63,000 oh loops, I want to hear Oh, my God. He's not dropping it. this. So, I'm just going with a classic, me siento muy excited, because my Spanglish, Spanish is terrible. And I'm excited about this event. I'm excited that these lovely people are here. 
and that this is happening. Woo! I'm really excited too because I've been to some, and not to knock on the good people from Dmall because they're beautiful people Please and don't they've knock been. Them. This I'm is not. Their no, I'm not saying this. I don't want people to take this the wrong way. They've been doing some amazing stuff for a long time for the city of Dallas and for our community and we need it but I feel like there's a new wave there's a new generation coming up on the things that DMAL has done and established so they've done this amazing job of documenting Mexican American history here in Dallas and a lot of people don't know and even like you know I feel like I've learned a lot of it throughout the years but I was walking the exhibit with you yesterday and I was like I didn't know that I didn't know they have it documented when the first Hispanic citizen was recorded to be living here in Dallas. And we're going to talk about that later. Yes. Because I think that's really interesting. It's really dope. So what better way to celebrate the start of Latinx Heritage Month than this? I'm so glad something like DMAL exists as well. We'll talk a little more about their story here in a second. Um, But the power and history behind it is essential to our growth as a community. Uh, we want to give a big thank you to Giovanni Valderas, Benjamin here at the LCC, D Mall, and everyone who made this happen. Hi, mom. <laughs> all right. Hola, so, <laughs> as some of you all know, this is around the time we would jump into a segment we like to call the juice. Yes, the juice. Just call it the juice. However, since we're here doing this live show with you all at this amazing exhibit, we're going to do things a little bit differently because, you know, there's a lot going on in Dallas right now we could talk about, but we're going to save that for our our comfortable episode back at home at the Oak Cliff Cultural Center. We'll we'll connect it. We'll connect it a little later. But this one's going to be based on the actual exhibit itself. So hopefully you all have had the opportunity to go around and see all the amazing work. Yes, we're going to get her soon. She will be on soon, I promise. We want to dig into and discuss some of the art and history that is displayed around here and in relation to where we are today. So this is the special live show historical hugo is that cute historical hugo the history who mix <laughs> we love drama there's a so flood to my like left real, we have like a real live juice segment happening right now real juicy all right so we want to dig into some of the art and history that's you know all around us and so I thought this was a cute little name to call it History Humix because it's preserved like Humix, which is way too sweet, but you drink it because it's all you got. And it's so good. Get that mango one. True. I like the mango. And there was a good pear one. Shout out to all the pears. Pears. All right. So this... <laughs> This is History Who Mex, where we will get into some of the incredible work surrounding us here at the Cultural Center. Did so you let's. Did you say Jumex? Bruh, that sounds oh, problematic. Yeah. But, but also historical. True. <laughs> you should rename it. Okay, so we're going to get into it. Y'all ready? Maybe, yes. Okay, great. Thank you. <laughs> All right, so the Dallas Mexican American host. Actually, Rafa, will you read this for me? Sure. 
The Dallas Mexican American Historical League is a 501c3 organization dedicated to researching, collecting, and preserving the historical and cultural experiences of Mexican Americans in Dallas from the early 1900s to the present. We have David Trevino here. Hello, sir. <laughs> By educating the public through programs, exhibits, forums, and publications, DMAL is committed to fostering a greater understanding of the contributions of the Mexican American community to the city. They participate in preservation of historically significant cultural sites and partner with other historical cultural organizations to achieve common goals. Thank you so much, Dimo, for welcoming us to this exhibit, Aniversario, celebrating your 10-year anniversary. Woo! Ooh, that Ooh. is so rough. I'm so sorry, y'all. Was... All right. So, um, Rafa, from everything we saw, what stuck out most to you? I just and I just mentioned it a few minutes ago. The that the Lucio, I think, is is his name. His I, name I, is Lucio Bamares. Lucio Bamares, the first documented Hispanic in Dallas. Um, and it was in 1859. Yeah. And he was 16 years old. Yes. But that's very interesting to a me. A labor worker. Because that's pre, pre revolution. That's pre a lot. But I'm also like, how, who documented this? Who, how did they do this? Not, not a jab at Demo, but like in general, how do you distinguish who the first Hispanic person was to right. be here? Because going through the exhibit, you understand that things for the Mexican-American community, it wasn't, it wasn't where we are now. And right. even now, we are a ways away from getting to where we need to be. But, you know, we're talking about communities with unpaved roads, no running water, you know, maybe some electricity and things right. like that. So to really document the history is, is a huge task. But, um, you know, Lucio Bamares, I, I think it's one of those pivotal figures where you look at, okay, this is where, this is where is, the starting point exists for us. Right, and that's all, to me it's also interesting because it's like obviously a lot of indigenous people would be considered what is called Hispanic now as well. So then I'm like, how did they differentiate between that i don't know that whole situation situation was interesting but it's cool to put a name to it i mm -hmm. suppose um that stuck out to me as well what we kind of mentioned earlier when you said jumex um i didn't mean it that way i know but <laughs> but it kind of works because apparently this area that is constantly we've discussed it prior when we talked about santos right you're kind of from that area. Right. What's up, Maple Avenue? Um, Little Mexico. It is a very key component of what Mexican-American life in Dallas is and was. Right. Um, so I thought it was really fascinating that it used to be called Little Jerusalem. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Did you know that? I, I did. I, don't, I didn't know the extent of the history, but uh, understanding the transition from Little Jerusalem to Little Mexico uh, is one of the things that DMAL has done really well with this exhibit here. But yeah, I... I it was fascinating history. I also, which went hand in hand with that. Y'all said y'all looked at the exhibit, right? Y'all went through. So they kept... Some of y'all did. Good for you. I also thought it was interesting because it kept saying um, they were calling the Mexicans colonists. Mm -hmm. And I was like, huh. That's really interesting to consider Mexicans in this area colonists, which is like a colonizer. And I was like, huh, okay, that feels out of place. That yeah. seems weird. Um, but it was kind of referred to over and over again. Right. That's how they were. That's how you, you referred to them. For sure. I kept thinking of Black Panther when he wakes up from the bullet wound. Uh huh. And she's like, don't scare me, colonizer. <laughs> Classic, classic. Um, all right, so did you have any other big things? Those were some of the things that stuck out most to me. 
No, and so the other thing, and this will probably, we, I know we, we're not doing a Who You Got, but it was really cool, like some of the music documentation. So Sam the Sham, uh, he has the song Wooly Bully. Yeah. And Little Red Riding Hood. It's lit. He's from, he's from Dallas. He grew up in the Ledbetter neighborhood. That's a What's big good? deal. Ledbetter. So now, like, I'm going to be rolling through Maple jamming that song. <laughs> like, yeah. Triple D, stand up. Oh, my God. Um, there's lots of other. I was really excited when I saw the Hi Ho, because that's over there in my hood. What, uh, What's good, Hi Ho? There's quinceaneras there, you know. Um, you stop. We're being appropriate. There's kids. There are oh, kids here. Sorry. And um, any other comparisons to now? The biggest thing I thought of, of course, um, was Santos Rodriguez, which his name has kind of been revived within the last few months here with a documentary that came out, and we talked about that a few episodes ago, and that I think would tie in most to a lot of our current events right now, which is this idea of... um, police going into your home essentially and either taking you or killing you which is something we'll cover next episode um but i think that that story i'm so glad it's seeing light i hope it never dims away and i hope dallas actually does something actually um like a memorial for this young boy and his family that's the least we can do yeah, and there's a lot of people working to make that happen. I know that there are a lot of organizations, Santos Vive, you know, the screening, the documentary, and a lot of good good friends of ours that are working to try to preserve that part of our history and make sure, you know, that it's acknowledged in a way that really says the city's taking responsibility. We know what happened. We know it's wrong, and we're improving for the better. Um, I think with, with anything, it always starts with the acknowledgement first, and it's been so difficult for our community just to get those really small things um, it wasn't until a couple of years ago that, you know, that we got a, a formal apology for that. Mm-hmm. And so Demol, you know, documents a little bit of Santos Rodriguez's story. But um, yeah, definitely something we need to right. stay I'm on top of. Looking forward to where else this arc, these archives can go. Because um, I like to me, when I think of the or growing up, the Mexican American community to me was an oak cliff, and so like it only starts to I guess barely touch on that if at all, in this exhibit. A lot of it's just the, like, OG uh, Mexican parts of Dallas. But What's up? You call me? Okay, well. You said OG. What's up? Oh, uh, Lord Jesus. Um, I don't know if our audience did anything stick out to you that we haven't talked about. I want to get feedback from y'all. You know, it's, it's interesting that you say that Hector is talking about how he's heard from some sources within that community that a lot of the Latino or Mexican-American owners weren't necessarily interested in selling to their own community, but more so interested in going outside of that. And so we kind of talked about how this idea of being better than, even though you're in the same community, kind of strikes. Um, so w- one, of the th- one of the points that I want to bring up is that it's important to be very critical of how we progress as a as a community because whether or not we like it whether there's rivalries be it political be it you know uh, entrepreneurial capital faith-based any of that when we talk about us as a community as a whole we're all in it together and so as we move forward being critical of things like that is is what's going to make us really be introspective to the sense where we grow where we where we actually understand you know the impact of the things that we're doing so um, I'm glad you brought that point up. To see where it is now is what's scary. Looking at it, it's like, wow, 
it's like, wow, in like retrospect, it's like, oh, this is all this culture and stuff, but then it's like, some of that's retained, but it's like, there's such a fight to retain that, because it was, you know, a lot of it was there so much. Right. Yes, I agree, German. It is, it's very sad to see where it's gone, like, especially in Little Mexico, that area, which is, like, not at all what it was. Right. Or there's that, um, one of the signs over there shows the map, and then it shows you all the owned businesses by, by Mexicans, which I was like, whoa, I had no idea. And I feel like something like that, it kind of motivates us, right? Because we see these archives, and we're like, damn, that's how it used to be, and now it's not. Um, and so in that way, especially for the youth, it's important for us to know and see where we are with the most the least limited, like the most limited resources, essentially, like nothing to us. They were often the first of everything. I think I saw that El Phoenix was the first Mexican restaurant ever in the whole country. And I thought that was really fascinating because now to me, I'm like, oh, I don't go there. Like it's not, it doesn't feel like it's food for me, but it's really fascinating because it, it was a, a very Mexican founding. Right. And like, for you, you saw that and you were like, whoa, all these first women, that's amazing. Where are the Mexican men doing first things? And for me, it was like, cool, actually m women are included in this exhibit because so often we are not there and you don't see our face or we're behind the scenes not getting credit. So that was like really cool to me to see like, oh, this woman who was a widow founded this huge thing, um, which is really great. And so the importance of exhibits like this, of an organization like Damal, I think especially here in Dallas, because they also documented like the biggest march, the mega march, everybody knows it, probably participated in it and or had family in it um, in 2006, which I think is still the, well, I guess it was the biggest immigrant march to date, right? Yeah, so I, I think, that I, I repeat that over and over again because that shows you the power we have here in Dallas and we should take advantage of that. So, I think we're going to wrap up the History Who Mix. Thank you for your feedback. Um, I hope you enjoyed it. And we're going to quickly welcome a member of the DMAL organization, have a little chat with her. Then we're going to bring in our friend Giovanni and discuss more and then wrap it up. All right. We're going to... These mics are a little funny, Gio. Just a heads up. They are. You have to wait for the person to finish talking, right? Hey, Jazz Hands. Jazz Hands is in the building. Decolonize K-N-O-N-O-N-O-N is in the building. <laughs> All right. So now we're going to have a little discussion with our friend, Giovanni Valderas. You might remember him from episode, I don't remember, but you got a lot of listens and a lot of people like that episode. But I want to say you were like the mastermind behind this exhibit. I, no, I, I wouldn't go that far. I just hope. I think you're being humble. I, I appreciate He's that. being humble, right? He's being, he's being mad humble. Mad humble. You listen to too much Kendrick Lamar and you're being very humble. Yeah. Who? Who's? Okay, anyways. Um, so we're going to discuss a little bit about this exhibit because I know we, we need to wrap up our, our live podcast. But I wanted to ask you how this experience has been for you and your involvement with DMAL. So sure, I, for me, it's been a really revealing experience in a sense that the prevailing narrative in Dallas has always been that Latinx people have never really contributed to this city. Mm -hmm. And seeing our history, seeing what we've accomplished has really, 
my hope is that we start to rewrite that narrative mm. in the sense that we, we help build businesses here. We, right. we created commerce, you know, and, and that's not so far has not really been acknowledged. So, yeah. At all by the city or anybody. Exactly. Um, so what is the most wild thing you've learned on this journey? Oh, wow. So there's a really great photograph. If anyone wants to come and look at it, <laughs> we'll walk together. So in 19, uh, I believe it's 1943, there was a, a bomb explosion in West Dallas as a, as, at a bomb factory. And I, they caught it at the perfect time. It was, it was like, I guess, rays of light shooting out. I thought that was really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, I, I think that one of the most moving photographs is of uh, uh, Pancho Medrano and, mm-hmm. uh, uh, with a bunch of a- uh, African-American leaders and him and how they were advocating for uh, desegregation and, and civil rights. And I thought, what a really poignant moment at that time um, to have that, especially now in, in 2018. You know, we really need it as African-Americans and, and, and Latinx union. people, we need to have that uni, uni, unified uh, vision together. For sure, I agree. I love that picture yeah. as well. That was a good picture. All right, so... This was already going to be a brief interview, but now it's going to have to be even more brief. Oh, that's so great. I apologize. I <laughs> no need to apologize. Thank you. So I'm going to do a brief introduction into our guest, who is a member of DMAL. It's Juanita H. Nanez, a human resources and diversity consultant with the Hopkins Group. She has a distinguished executive leadership career in the banking, energy, and hospitality industries. She's an active member of the Dallas Community Engaged and engaged in organizations with missions focused on diversity-based developmental and educational initiatives, including but not limited to organizations like the Texas Diversity Council, Hispanic Women's Network of Texas, and Anita and Martinez Ballet Flocorico, and of course, DMAL, amongst many others. With quite the impressive resume and a true champion for diversity in North Texas, we're welcoming to The Colores Radio, Juanita H. Nanez. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you so much for being here. Thank you. I like this young crowd. That's, <laughs> That's what that Colorado does. No, I'm just kidding. So what part of Dallas did you, did you originate from? Okay, so my grandparents on my father's side, uh-huh. my abuelitos uh, Tereso and Juanita Chaboya, mm-hmm. came to Dallas in 1916. Okay. After a brief stay in San Antonio for four or five years, um, they came to the Little Mexico area and settled in the Little Mexico area on what was then called Lake Avenue and today is called Pearl Street. My uh, abuelito came from um, Aguascalientes and my abuelita came from Zacatecas. They met in Guadalajara. And I know all of you know where all those places are. Yes, we do. We do. Of course we do. Okay. We like to celebrate those places. So how was it growing up in Dallas as a young Mexican woman? And, have, and knowing you have that history and that connection. Yeah. Well, I had my father's family. It was a large family. My mother's family was a large family. My mother came uh, to Dallas at the age of 16 from Laredo. She mm-hmm. was born in Monterrey, but grew up in Laredo. And so it was, it was really interesting because my mother always spoke to me in Spanish. Mm-hmm. My father always spoke to me in English. He was born in San Antonio. And, right. Um, 
his, his family, yeah, they spoke right. English. So, so I got both. I got English and I got Spanish. And um, I was always very proud mm-hmm. of my heritage and my ancestry. My, um, my grandparents instilled that in me. And I admired them. I knew the kind of people they were. They were both very hard workers my abuelito was a leader uh, here in Dallas. He was a head of a of an organization of work, a national organization of workers of the Dallas chapter. Oh wow! Where there were thirty thousand um, Mexican workers represented throughout the country, wow. and um, he he was in the oil mill business, and um, he he. He rose from a labor position where he started his entry-level position into management. So always progressive. My grandmother was muy religiosa. <laughs> you know, she was of a course. member of the Guadalupanas of Aww. our church in our little Mexico area. Um, our Lady of Guadalupe, Nuestra Iglesia uh, de, de Guadalupe, Católica. Very nice. And so... I had some pretty strong roots and a strong foundation, and I always felt good in my skin good. and um, and very confident, very positive. I had friends, you know, growing up, both Latinos and both um, Americanos. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Caucasian. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. So... <laughs> so um, yeah, so so I did. I felt very comfortable in my skin. When when I got to like high school age, you know, when it comes to the dating mm-hmm. thing, Ooh. yeah, yeah. Um, my the high school I went to, there were very few Latinos, mm. and so there weren't very many Latino boys. And the majority of the boys went to Crozier Tech High School uh-huh. of, the, of the Latinos. So right. kind of a separation. Um, th- there was the a separation there when still? it came to, to dating, mm-hmm. you know, in that the, uh, my Caucasian friends, their parents wanted, didn't want them to marry or to date right. Latinos, but then my Latino families, my, my, my people didn't want, uh, us to, to, uh, date or, or certainly to outside marry. Outside of the race. Yeah. Outside of the, of the our community. own race. Yeah. That's so that was kind of when I started kind of seeing a difference. Right. Yeah. So we unfortunately have to make it super brief. I would love to hear more about this, but okay. unfortunately we're, we're being cut short for time. So I wanted to ask you um, quickly about your involvement with DMAL and what you wish to see more of in our Dallas community from the Latinx people. Um, yes, with the Dallas Mexican-American Historical League, again, my attraction to, to the organization has been because of my own roots, and I, I wanted to share my stories with the community, with uh, the generations to come, and um, that, that's what's brought me the greatest gratification from uh, the Dallas Mexican-American Historical League. As far as the future... We need more young people involved. We need, we need people to start 
um, gathering this, helping us gather the stories and carry it on. Because the majority of us, because of our families who did come in the 1900s, we're getting to be a little bit viejitos, <laughs> and we need, and we need some young. We need some we're young. We're here. People. We're here. Yeah, yeah. So we'd love for all of you to join us. We want to use more uh, to reach you better by uh, being more apt at, at social media and, and doing a lot more in technology, such as this. This my is daughter, a good place to start. My daughter was <laughs> laughing at me when I told her I was going to do a radio interview and then she learned <laughs> it was a podcast. She's like, oh, that makes more sense now. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being with us. Do you have any, like a piece of advice or something you wish to share with us all yes, before definitely. you go? I think this is off though. Is it still it on? It should be good. Oh, okay. Uh, my biggest advice is while your parents and your grandparents are still alive, get their stories I missed so many hours sitting with my abuelito, not knowing who he was, and now older and learning all the great things he did and he was, I thought all those times wasted that I could have been asking him about his, you know, where he came from, what life was like for him, and so forth. So that's my biggest advice. Go out and spend time and listen and talk to your uh, your abuelos and, and your abuelas and, and your tios and your tias and get their stories. Absolutely. That's beautiful. Thank you so much, Juanita Nanez, for okay. being with us on the Colores Radio. Thank you. Mucho gusto. Thank you. All right. So we're going to make this super speedy fast, just like six nines rapping. Um, <laughs> Okay, how has working with DMAL inspired you? Uh, it's been fantastic working with them. And, and for me, the, the greatest p pleasure was getting to hear their stories. Mm -hmm. Like, talking about, like, the beefs they had between the barrios and, and how mm. they would, uh, like, you weren't invited to West come into... West Side Story style. Yeah, 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 you weren't invited to come into the neighborhood unless you knew somebody. Wow. And they, you're going to get a knife pulled out on you. So that was really interesting. And now they all hug each other. All of the, like, the beefs they had, now they're, they, they laugh about you it. You want how a beer? Funny. You want a yeah. hug? <laughs> exactly like that. So that's really cool to learn. I actually do wish we could have heard more from Juanita, and I'm grateful that you are with us to tell us a little bit about your experience. And can you tell us, as we're wrapping up, how do we get more involved? Uh, definitely hit up Damal's website, damal.org, I believe. Uh, just Google him, D-M-A-H-L. Um, .org. .org. And come out to the exhibit. Learn about our own history here because it's so important that we continue our legacy and what we've done in this city. Um, and just take a look. You'll be impressed, I promise. Definitely. Well, thank you so much, Giovanni. Does anybody in the audience have any questions for Giovanni? He really did a lot of the work in the exhibit or Juanita or anybody yeah. here involved. No. Hey, Jesse Tafaya, Jr. <laughs> How are you, sir? <laughs> Jesse always has something to say. He does. If you can Jesse, ever, if you ever, now's the time. Junior out, make sure you talk to him and have him uh, buy him a beer. Talk to him. <laughs> He's got some good stories. He's super involved. We see him out and about all the time. All right. Then, if nobody has anything, we're gonna go ahead and wrap it up for us here at De Colores Radio Live from the Latino Cultural Center's Damal Aniversario Exhibit. Be sure and come by. It's a great show, and it's open until October 13th. So you have time. Come out here, learn some history, Mexican American history, 
based here in Dallas, which is always nice to know. Um, thank you all so much for being here. We feel the love. Don't forget to share the podcast and follow us on social media. Subscribe and leave us a darn review. <laughs> We'd love to keep growing, so please share it with everyone you know. We could not go on without your support. Tell everyone you love to follow us at The Colores Co. Our theme song is Cumbia Anthem by El Dusty. Our audio editor is Jason Ramirez. We promise to keep growing and providing you with entertaining content and most, most importantly, a platform for your voices and work to be lifted. Contact us on social media or email us at decolorescollective at gmail.com. Thank you so much again for listening, being here with us. Thank you, Giovanni, D Mall, and the LCC. And join us again next time for Decolores Radio. De, De-, De- Colores Radio.